1: the final week of the regular pga tour season before we get into playoff territory hi it's the secret Golf podcast and i'm diane knox steve elkington's going to be here very soon it's the wyndham championship this week and as i said the week before those fedex cup playoffs get underway the northern trust being the first one So, well, lots to talk about today. First of all, the PGA Championship was last week, the first major we'd had in such a long time. And man, it felt good. What a winner in Colin Morikawa. So Alex definitely got some stuff that he wants to talk about that. We have a brand new show on the Sports Grid Network too, which is, um, well, we're re-ranking the field for each event. We did it for the PGA Championship last week for our first show and we're doing it again for the Wyndham this week. We'll go into how it works and what we do and you'll find the show on the Sports Grid Network every Wednesday at 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and then at 10 and 11 p.m. as well. I'll put all the links in the little information box here. So if you want to click and watch it live, then you can do. Very quickly, I'll give you the field of secret golfers that we have playing at the Wyndham. Jason Kokrak, Pat Perez, Jason Duffner, Patton Kazire, Andrew Landry, Bronson Burgoon, Chris Stroud, Brian Harmon, Rian Gibson, JT Poston, and Russell Knox. I'm sure it comes as no surprise that we have so many of them playing because everyone's fighting to get in that top 125. Then it's Bubble Watch, I guess. (laughs) Everything can move up and down so quickly, but it's the top 125 that play in the Northern Trust and. We'll put it this way. We have some guys who are going to be in that bubble zone right now. Jason Cockracks at 99. Russell Knox, 124th. <laughs> He's my brother, in case you don't know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a week of high stress. And Bronson Burgoon at 126. Then Patton Kazir at 168. And we've got a few more guys just down below that. For some of them, well, um, for a lot of them, it's going to be getting that place in the 125. But then, of course, you're thinking about the top 70 after that and then the top 30 playing in the Tour Championship at Eastlake. So all of that going on, I told you, a lot to talk about today. And Elk, it's just a very exciting time.
0: Yes, good morning, Noxie. Yes, it uh, certainly is. Of course, we know that 125 of the top FedEx Cup points winners advance after this week so what, what what what's the number this week that you're safe? So everyone that's playing this week will think, well, if I if I make the cut and I'm in the top, say, 100, I'm safe. The guys that we're really watching this week that are, you know, fighting the bubble is everyone from outside of the top 100. If they miss the cut, could they possibly drop outside of the 125? Yes, they could, depending on what happens. We've done a pretty intensive uh, look at this in our show that's showing tomorrow on SportsGrid, and we pick a few that we think are going to jump in from outside this week, Diane.
1: It's bubble watch time because the guys that are around about that magic number, they're trying to you know, make sure that they can put four good rounds together and try and maintain their place there. And then, of course, for from that point onwards and for everyone else that's in that 125 it's trying to get into the top 70 and then trying to make sure that they can advance all the way to the top 30 for the tour championship so there's a lot on the line this week we're coming off the first major of 2020 it had been like 300 and over a year what since we'd had the last major and the pga championship didn't disappoint elk colin morikawa an extremely worthy winner
0: yeah, Morikawa. Uh, you and I were with him at the Players Championship when the pandemic hit. On the eve of the Players Championship, we were there and we watched Colin Morikawa walking the last three holes with our own Pat Perez, and watched him a little bit. And I remember telling you as I walked away, I was like, "This is this is really um, this player's really got a you know a different look about him. He hit a, a power fade and." Uh, just watched the way he hit shots on the last three holes and saw his swing action. And I knew right then that Morikara was just, you know, I'd already known that he hadn't missed a cut on the whole tour. Of course, now he's come back from this pandemic. He's won twice, one of them being a major. You know, it's interesting to me, Diane, um, that every event that's been won during this COVID period has been won by like a top 20 player. We have not seen any young players that are sort of, out of the top echelon of players, win a tournament. Why is mm-hmm. that?
1: Well, why is that? You know better than anyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you would think, you know, Jordan Speed, Rory McIlroy, all these guys have said that it's the easiest time to win a tournament because they're not feeling the outside pressure. Now, I don't think that was the case last week at the PGA. Morikawa was coming down the stretch with about, what, six or seven guys all tied for the lead certainly separated himself with a chip in to get to 11 under on the 15th hole last week. But 16 was the the shot that changed everything for the whole tournament. It was a drivable par for The PGA Championship set up the the 16th hole. We talked about it on the Wednesday before about how they may set up the 16th hole for a position for a guy to make an eagle on the last round, and then certainly uh, right on tune. Diane Morikawa hit what we would consider one of the great. Uh, long shots on a par four up there, about ten feet away, and pretty much sealed the deal right, right there and then.
1: The thing about Morikawa is he's twenty three years old. That's his third win, as you said, and second this season. But he was so composed. Sometimes you don't give these young guys enough credit for the fact that you know they they can they don't let the occasion get to them too much. And I'm sure internally he was like. I don't think he lost it at any point. I mean he was obviously just excited and the chance to lift his first major trophy in his first season on the PGA tour, I mean, it must have been overwhelming, but he was so composed and that was great to see. He was smiling with his caddy, he was clearly enjoying every minute of it.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't speak of what he was feeling inside. I know what I would have been feeling inside. Of course when you come down the stretch in a in a tournament, in this case a major Diane. I have a little bit of experience with this, but with that many guys that were tied for the lead at 10 under, every one of them knew that 10 under wasn't going to win it. It was 11 might get you in a playoff, 12 wouldn't probably win it. I mean, you had, you know, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Morikawa. Uh, I'm forgetting a couple, but they were all jammed up there. And I would be nervous as hell playing that solo. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're swinging well, um, Sometimes when you get on the tee, I'm going to see if I can put this in the right frame of mind. It's like sometimes when you're in under that much pressure um, and you get on the tee and you've got yourself in, I would remind myself that, hey, I'm, I'm leading the major with four holes to go. Let's just see what happens here. But there's no time then to change your swing thought or anything like that. It's just go total rhythm. And that's what I used to do is like. Clearly, if I was coaching myself, I said, clearly, you're swinging well enough to be in the lead of a major Mm -hmm. through 68 holes. Now, let's just put super rhythm on it coming in and let's see what happens.
1: Now we have this new show on the Sports Grid Network and the next episode is out today 2pm and 3pm Eastern and then it's repeated at 10pm and 11pm tonight but we do the sizzle and the fizzle so basically we're re-ranking the whole field for every tournament we're doing it this week for the Wyndham Championship. The official world golf ranking is one thing, but then we look at all player stats, the stats that are required to play well on that specific course. We mesh them all together and that is the basis for our re-ranking. Last week for TBC Harding Park, we were looking at Tiger stats from his 2005 WGC victory. Now you had said, and it's brilliant to look back on now, because there were six key holes, the tough holes on the course that you said the eventual winner was going to have to play well on.
0: Well, yes. Um, so it, traditionally in handicapping of golf, Diane, you know, I always, you know, people call me all the time and ask me about who's going to win. So we finally put this show together. And, you know, I can't just look at historical data only as we are right now with this Tiger stats, but I have to look at what does it take to play well on that golf course? What what particular stats? And last week we chose the six hardest holes because Ken Venturi, great friend of mine, the great – U.S. Open winner told me that you have to play number 6, 8, 9, 12, and 14, and 18 very well at Harding Park to win the tournament. We ranked the statistics. We rated how what what shots it would take to do that inside of 225 yards, putting, you know, driving accuracy, et cetera. The very interesting thing that came out of this, Diane, was at the end of the day, and everything was washed through, <clears throat> Colin Morikawa played those six holes exactly three over par, the same as Tiger did in 05, (laughs) led the field on those six holes. He played the rest of the course three holes, three shots better with a 16 under to finish minus 13. So I think last week we nailed it, Diane, and it was very, very, uh, well, I suppose it was very rewarding to us to see that uh, it just turned out the way it did.
1: For sure. We had another guy at the top of our fizzle list, and he ended up finishing in second place. We were texting because when all the hot picks were being made for the PGA Championship, this guy's name was missed out a little bit, and we remained strong. We put everything into the system, and he's the guy that came out on top, was Jason Day. So for us, there was an awful lot of validation last week that that whatever we were onto was going to work. Some of the other names that we had in there, in our sizzlers, were Brendan Todd, Daniel Berger, guys that really were in contention for the duration of the PGA Championship. So, as you say, that did give us a lot of satisfaction.
0: Yeah, there's no, um, you know, nobody had Jason Day. Jason Day, just so happens, ranks so high, like number two in, in shots, closest to the hole from 225 yards. We saw that brutal number eight hole last week and number nine and number 12, those three holes right there. When those guys cruise through those three holes with those long iron shots, they just destroy the field. And that's what separates them, Diane, from the rest of the field. You know, Jason Day, he really was on nobody's radar except ours. And funny enough, when we say a sizzler, we set this sort of um, benchmark of statistical Greatness, what it'll take to win. And anyone above that statistical mark, we call that in the win zone. But usually there's about three or four that really shoot up. And Jason Day, of course, was one of them. Justin Thomas was the other. We had him up at the top. He never really got it going. Too many double bogeys, lost a ball in a tree. But, you know, that's golf. I mean, you can't predict what's going to happen when the ball's in the air
1: talking of the wind zone elk and there's always quite a few guys that are going to fall into that category and you have to look at big name big names like brooks kepka who was going out there to defend when we put all the stats into the system he was one of our fizzlers he was up there in contention again for the duration of the tournament, but fell away on Sunday. But the thing is, is that he's one of those guys, there are guys that are going to be in the win zone where they are so talented that they've got, I mean, they can pull it out of the bag and go on and, and win.
0: Yeah, there's a point of um, reflection or, I mean, let me say that again, there's a, so when you, when you talk about a guy like Brooks Koepka, who has just the worst of statistics going into the BGC last week in Memphis, where he finished second, we couldn't place him anywhere in the field. I think we, we pl- placed him at 38th, and he was just killing that all week. And the, uh, Sunday, you you must understand that players will turn around their statistics. That's why you can't take all the historical data only, you have to take into consideration injuries, you have to take into consideration current form what does their swing action look like what kind of putting stroke do they have
1: so this week for the Wyndham Championship, it's Sedgefield Country Club, it's in Greensboro North Carolina, which Elk was the home to your debut victory on the PGA Tour, different golf course but whenever the Tour returns for the Wyndham Championship of course it brings back a lot of feel good memories for you
0: certainly does 1990 diane was my first victory on the tour was at a course across town called forest oaks i think i won uh lisa and i were not married in 1990 but we were we were together and i had just built this little townhouse and i remember i think i won 130 grand and i remember the monday after walking into the bank and giving the banker 100 grand and i was out free and clear from my house i was the happiest person alive but this week uh this week, Diane, um, we've moved, you know, way to the east. We've moved out of the 50-degree weather back into the 95s. This golf course um, is a completely different uh, opportunity and a completely different look for the players. This is a scoring test this week. I mean, we've seen Brent Snedeker shoot a 59 on this golf course. We saw, we saw our own JT Poston last year played the whole week, Diane, without making a bogey, tied a 66-year-old record that was held by Lee Trevino. Never made a bogey for the whole week. and So this is a different set of skills that are required to play Sedgefield.
1: And those are the skills that we put into our system when it comes to re-ranking the field for the Sports Grid show. Do you want to go into a couple of them, like the, the important ones, I guess, to do well around Sedgefield?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, so we know that, you know, we know... Part of the part of the equation always, Diane, is what what are we doing here? What course is this, and what you know what are we looking at? Well, Donald Ross was, as you know, is a Scotsman, and he was very famous for building you know beautiful golf courses that were very pleasing to the eye. He liked to try to trick the players a little bit by playing uphill shots where they can't see their second shot land or their T shots uh, over little hills and crests where they had to imagine where the ball would go. But he also was famous for making sort of turtleback greens. And he was able to push those pins into the corners to make players that didn't get the ball back in there very difficult putting. So, of course, the first thing that comes to mind, Diane, I'm going to give it away, but is scoring. We have to have guys that make a lot of birdies. So we've waited heavily this week on who makes a lot of birdies every day. And that's one of our rankings, of course. How do you make a birdie? You've got to be able to putt pretty good. So that's in there. And then, how do you get the ball into the corners of these small greens at Sedgefield to make a birdie? So we've ranked 125 to 150 yard shots pretty heavily. So, this is how we build a template, Diane. And the interesting thing is, when at the end of we put it all in and we hit enter, it's so fascinating to see who shuffles them up, shuffles up to the top.
1: One of the most interesting parts for us is um, the, the wild card picks at the end as well, because we like to pick, well, for the show, four sizzlers and four fizzlers. So the sizzlers are the guys that are going up in the ranking and the fizzlers are the guys that are going down. And then... We'll do two wild card picks And those guys always have like The the biggest jumps I guess When it comes to the stats That are required to do well this week We'll talk about one of our sizzlers And one of our fizzlers I think Um, And then of course The rest are going to be revealed On our Sports Grid show At 2pm and 3pm Eastern But um, one of the guys that we put at the top of our list when it came to talking about the the Sizzlers was Ryan Moore. Now, he's 116th in the world. We have him jumping up to number four in our ranking for the week. And Elk, you look at the stats, driving accuracy, he's ninth for the PGA Tour this season. For his form, he's fifth right now. He's playing brilliantly. And then uh, one of the other ones that you talked about, and again, I don't want to give out all the, the stats right now. We'll save some for the show, but you were saying you have to birdie. So you have to be able to hit the green. And one of the important stats is going to be approaching from like 125 yards. He, he ranks 47 for the PGA tour season. So someone like Ryan Moore might not be a traditional pick, but he came out so high when we did this.
0: Yeah. And Ryan Moore, you know, the other intangibles is, you know, Ryan Moore plays unreal golf. He's, he's a really quiet, really good golfer. Um, he's rested you know last week i read that he actually made it into the pga championship field but then withdrew right away because he already had a prior commitment thinking he wasn't going to get in the event i can't imagine not uh playing the pga so he said i had a private prior commitment with my family to take him on holidays okay i wow. get it i got a family but um He'll be very rested, very motivated. He'll probably take a little ribbing from some of the players when he when he sees them about skipping last week. So, you know, he'll play well. I think at uh, at Sedgefield. we've got him up ranked pretty high. We've got a you know a bunch of others we'll talk about in our show today. Sorry, that was that was my phone fell off. Did it rest? Did it, <laughs> it miss? Oh, let me back that up a little bit. Yeah, we're we're, we're feeling very strong about Ryan Moore this week. He, um, as I said, he's rested. He knows his. This, uh, this golf course well and he has the stats to back it up not everybody has those stats to back it up but we'll yeah. look for him to play well here
1: one of our fizzlers and it's going to seem like we're picking on this guy but we're not it's nothing to do with us is Brooks Kepka. we had him as a fizzler last week at the PGA Championship as I said earlier, he was a contention but he fell away on Sunday. But for this week, first of all, I was a little bit surprised that he was playing the Wyndham Championship. He's ninety two in the FedEx Cup rankings, so he's firmly in the top hundred and twenty-five. He's clearly trying to get into the top seventy. But Seventh in the world. We have him falling down to number 62 for our ranking this week. And it's because the, he has two red numbers in the stats. Driving accuracy, he's 191st. And bogey avoidance, as you said, you know, you're going to have to go low on this course and, and get the birdies. But bogey avoidance rank, he's 190th.
0: Yeah, Brooks is uh, he's a big question mark every week. Nobody knows who's going to show up. He's still injured. He had an MRI after the 3M, and he revealed to the public that nothing's changed from his torn patella that he had, so everybody's keeping an eye on that. He did shock everybody when he finished second at Memphis, and I think that was more adrenaline by people telling him that he wasn't going to play well. But, you know, the reason I've got him fizzled this week, Diane, is not only are his statistics so bad, I I can't put a player high in any ranking... When you're 190th or so in driving accuracy, that basically, when you get into the 200th area, Diane, on the tour of any ranking, you basically drive it better than nobody as far as straight. Now, everybody listening to this may say, "Well, he hits it far." Well, far doesn't work at, at Sedgefield. They run. We, Donald Ross has got you pinned off this week. You've got creeks, and you can only hit it so far off the tee. Will he be able to play some disciplined golf this week? Maybe. But he just doesn't have anything to play for. I just don't think he's played like six weeks in a row. He's just come off a very disappointing chance to win three PGAs in a row. I got him fizzle all the way this week.
1: And what about Brooks and the comments that he made after his round at the PGA Championship on Saturday? I can't imagine that the rest of the locker room would have been too happy with what he said. You know, he basically came out and said that, um, that he didn't really have much competition to worry about, and the likes of Dustin Johnson only had.
0: I well, only had one major, which was the U.S. Open, of course. But and Brooks has four. But obviously, he did have a lot to worry about because about. 15 guys whizzed by him. I think Brooks finished 24th in the event, and Morikawa shot 64, the lowest final round uh, in a PGA. Uh, By the way, he actually, uh, I was told, and I know this for sure, I shot 64 to win my PGA, so hey, Mm -hmm. I'm in good company with Morikawa.
1: Too right. As we said at the start, extremely deserving winner. Um, The winner of the Wyndham Championship last year was Secret Golf's JT Poston. And we talked about bogey avoidance being big. Well, duh, because last year, JT didn't have a single bogey for the entire tournament. It was his debut win on the PGA Tour. What do you think about JT's chances of going out there and defending this week?
0: Well, JT Poston, you know, won, won last year. Of course, it was his first ever victory on the tour. JT is one of the great putters that never gets talked about. If I was out on tour right now, I'd go over and watch him putt like I used to go watch Ben Crenshaw. He's got that good a stroke, and that that helped him a lot last year. If I overlay the template to play well this week, Diane, and I use his current historical stats and lay it in there, He's not going to finish that high. He hasn't driven the ball as good as he had last year. He hasn't hit the greens as good. So what I'm hoping for to see out of him is when he walks on Sedgefield today or yesterday and all those positive feelings come back. And, of course, he I know this to be true. When you win a tournament, you're basically playing on autopilot. You walk onto a hard hole and you just tee it up in the corner of the tee and just make your swing and off you go. There's no more thought needed. So hopefully all that comes back to him, Diane, and he just says, hey, last year I would have took this ball right back at that flag and I'm going to do it right now and I'm going to just make my swing do what I did last year.
1: Especially when he made it so easy last year. I mean, when you think about golf that way, it's like go out, hit the ball, make lots of birdies. I mean, it's got to be, in his mind, it had to be a very simple way to get the job done last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're playing golf, Uh, on tour and you feel like you're playing chess where you already know what move you're going to make and you actually move it and make the ball go where you want. Other times, Diane, you feel like you're playing pinball. You hit the ball and you don't know where it's going to go and it gets all these crazy bounces. So clearly last year it was chess for him. He just maneuvered maneuvered his way around the golf course from A to B and then he just sealed off every leak there was, whether he missed a green, he got it up and down, he never made a bogey and everything was sealed off. When I say sealed off, He had everything covered, so we see some weaknesses in a lot of players' games. When we look at stats, for example, if a guy um, misses a lot of greens and he makes a lot of bogeys, uh, you you can either, you know, assume that there's either he can't chip or he can't putt that good. So when I say sealing it off, JT had it all covered last year.
1: Good. Well, you know, as we say, huge celebration for him. It was his first victory and right before the all-important playoffs. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with him again this year. Right. So, Elk, thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing Sedgefield in action. Um, A little bit different because this year, with there being no fans, Greensboro was always known for being a tournament with a lot of fan interaction. Always a great atmosphere, but it's going to be missing this year again. Um, I know that there's a story... Involving you and your win.
0: Oh. oh, my win! You want it? Do you?
1: <laughs> I mean, I know that we we tell it on the Sports Grid show this afternoon, so maybe we can tease it when um, you have to go and listen to it there. But it involves. Um, <laughs>
0: oh, you want me to I'll do talk,
1: it? I, I, tell it, tell it. It's a good story. It needs to be heard.
0: Well, Diane, uh, as you know, one of the most famous holes in, in golf now is the 16th hole at uh, at the Phoenix Open, the waste management event where they have, you know, 100,000 people there. But where that became popular for the first time was the old 17th hole at Forest Oaks Golf Club it was a par three, 185 yards up the hill. And that they the Greensboro people made that hole famous. It was literally 25 deep of people. It was the biggest party ever happened. They had to bring police in at the end to calm down the 17th hole. Lee Trevino played there. All the greats did. And Diane, when I won the tournament in 1990, they had these beer trucks or little small, little, um, almost like little caravans, like little food trucks that they pulled in behind and they opened up a, opened up a little gate and that's where they sold the beer. And, um, it was crazy back there. And when I was walking off the seventeen seventy-first 71st green after making birdie on eight, on 17, going to the last green, I had to fight my way through the crowd to get back to this tee. And I turned my head to the left, Diane, where I saw the massive amount of line waiting to get more beer. And there was a gal in there who, I guess, Diane, how will I say this? <laughs> Originally, she had a bikini top on. Let me just put okay. it that way. Okay. Okay. So, hey, selling topless beer in, at a golf tournament, what can go, what could possibly be better?
1: <laughs> OK, well, um, that's, that's a good story. That's good to know. Um, good on her. There used to be a beach there, too. Um, and they had that at Sedgefield, didn't they? They had like this little beach where everyone would hang out round about, was it the 16th?
0: Yeah, there was no beach at Forest Oaks, but there was a beach at Sedgefield and they turned it into a beach and they they had a bunch of uh, people that would hang out. So when you were playing the 15th hole par five coming up the hill, uh, you would look over to the right and you could see all the people that were literally looked like they were on the beach, you know, hanging out. Okay,
1: yeah. Hanging out, hanging out being the phrase.
0: Yeah, definitely for you
1: in 1990 right excellent Elk thank you so much um, we will be following all the secret golfers on our social media and of course our brand new show on SportsGrid we're on to week 2 you can find that at sportsgrid.com they have like a live streaming so you can check that out at 2 o'clock and at 3 o'clock and also on YouTube just search for SportsGrid and on all the TV apps and streaming systems if you go and search for Sports Grid on like Roku on Apple TV on Apple Amazon Fire, you'll be able to find it there too. And uh, we will just have to wait and see how our picks get on this week.
0: I'm feeling very good about it, Diane. The grid is the uh, on Sports Grid. We've we've given, been given an opportunity here to break down the whole field. We re rank everybody. We have players that finish up find themselves in the wind zone. We have the sizzlers. We have guys that you might think would win the tournament, but maybe they don't have the stats to back it up, and they drop down. In the fizzle department, Diane. We also rate everyone else to see who may or may not make the cut based on everything that we've weighted together with. And it's, it's just been coming very interesting putting it together.
1: Yep, can't wait. Right, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Diane. Thank you for listening to our podcast as always. If you haven't subscribed already then please do that. We'd love a little rating as well. That would be fab. But you can listen on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts from, apps or websites or whatever. We are going to be on Bubble Watch this week, the Wyndham Championship with JT Poston being the defending champion so that's going to be fun to watch how he gets on around a course where he didn't have a single bogey last year. But then Watching the guys as they try to either fight for or keep their place in the top 125 in the FedEx Cup standings. Notables for us, um, Jason Kokrak at number 99, Russell Knox 124th, Bronson Bergoon at 126th and Patton Kazire at 168. So yeah, 125 and then the top 70 after that. But yeah, exciting playoff time. Thank you for listening and we'll be back with another one next week. And don't forget our SG Tour report on the Sports Grid network goes out live on Wednesday afternoon at 2 and 3 and then again at 10 and 11pm. And you can check it out on sportsgrid.com and on YouTube.
0: Podcast Network.